This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. How's everyone doing out there today? Excellent show coming up for you. Lots to talk about as usual. Going to get to Major League Baseball, maybe getting a little bit closer, maybe a lot bit closer to resolving this work stoppage. Um, provide some context on that a little in a little bit and also check in with Seth Stowes from Twins Daily. Get his thoughts on this you know, long, lengthy lockout, what it means for the Twins, and maybe some optimism, too, as we kind of look towards the start of the season, hopefully, and what this might mean for the Twins in 2022. Got to get to some Wolves stuff. Big win over Cleveland on uh, on Monday night. Big shot by Carl Anthony Towns. We'll hear from him in a little bit. Wild in the midst of a slump, kind of an identity crisis right now, probably better now than in a month or two, but still not what you want to see from a team that has legitimate, you know, depth and, you know, and and hopes of going deep in the postseason. And we'll get into a little bit of rumor, innuendo, some interesting stuff from Bill Simmons on NBA expansion and an interesting, um, Social media posts from the Green Bay Packers announcing they are going to London and using certain players in the graphic in a weird kind of Abbey Road Beatles kind of uh, send up. But first, what did I miss? I think we need to start with the Wolves today because they 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 had a big win over Cleveland. This week. we've talked about this four game stretch they had coming out of the break, how it was going to test them. They're two and one. In those three games, uh, some clutch wins, you know, so the, the clutch win the other day against Memphis and then another clutch win at Cleveland, a much improved Cleveland team this year, one of the, you know, playoff contenders in the East. Certainly looks like they are going to make the playoffs in the East, came in with a better record than the Wolves did. So, you know, Wolves get down big early, then get a big lead, watch it all disappear when Cleveland ties it in the final minute. Then Carl Anthony Towns on you know the game-winning play, essentially, the game-winning sequence, gets himself a little bit of space um, at the top of the three-point line, lets it fly. Now, he had just won the three-point contest in Cleveland at All-Star Weekend not that long ago. Was it last weekend, two weekends ago? And, and you know he hadn't made a three-pointer all night. That one goes in, gives the Wolves a 125-122 lead. They get a stop on the next possession, a couple free throws. The game is over. A big one for them because now, like I said, 2-1 and one in this little three-game stretch. They've got Golden State tonight. Again, you know, two back-to-backs coming right out of the break um, was another reason this was such a big test. But, you know, the, the schedule softens up considerably out of, out of this break, or out of this, uh, this four-game stretch. But if they can somehow manage to win this one, a back-to-back against a very good Golden State team, um, then you can take this team extra seriously. I think they've already passed this four-game test by by doing no worse than a split. But you could see, um, you know, you could see some wheels turning if they can manage to win this game Tuesday night against Golden State. But before we get ahead of that, let's hear from Carlton Towns and what he saw, kind of an extended cut of uh, of what he saw on that game-winning play. We came down the court. Shout out to Coach too. Big shout out to Coach Finch because. He could have called the timeout, could have stopped the play. We could have, you know, got to the, you know, as a huddle and picked the play or whatever the case may be. But um, he let us play. He made a call. Uh, the play was actually for D'Lo. Come off the pick and roll, have his matchup, you know, do what you do. Get All of us get ready to rebound or be ready for outlets or anything like that. Um, D'Lo wanted to get rid of the ball. 
Um, so we, I just looked at him and said, you got the matchup you asked for, like, go. And he was like, no, and he kept playing. So I just said, all right, I'm gonna run to the spot, get myself open. Um, we had a switch, so um, knew there was a possibility for, there was driving possibility um, in there, but um, caught the ball, looked at the floor. saw I saw a lot of, I saw a good amount of space. Um, just felt very comfortable with how the game was being called and everything that I wanted to really get to that jumper. Um, I thought it was something that was given to me right away when I turned around. Um, I just was getting ready to shoot the basketball and uh, the jab step. I saw a little more space get created by the jab step. And from there it was, it was let it fly time. So um, when I let go of the ball, I just, um, TP was telling me in there <laughs> when I shot the ball, he said cash money record. So it felt pretty good when they left my hands. I, I thought it was a, a a green shot like in 2K, and I just felt very good and conf, confident uh, confident about it. Started getting my celebratory hops in. And I let that go. I let that go probably a little longer than I normally would for a post game audio clip, just because I kind of like to hear the process. I like to hear what you know players. Sometimes they have no real memory or no real. I know they're they're so in the moment that they they can't really describe the play that was happening that the, they they can't describe the thing that just happened. But it sounded like Cat was very kind of a in, kind of gives you a window into his process and how cerebral he is, how he the recognition he has, things like that. So it's just kind of interesting for me to hear that from him and his process. And you know the process led to a you know obviously the the clutch basket. He's been very clutch in situations like that this season. Another one goes in for him and then and goes in, goes for the Wolves. So, you know, looking at the standings right now, the good teams in the West starting to assert themselves. I mean, the Wolves three and a half behind Denver. The Wolves still very much in that number seven spot, but the Clippers coming up from the bottom. They're now 32 and 31. They've won three games in a row, so they're only a game and a half behind the Wolves. And everybody else kind of falling backwards. The Lakers still tumbling down. 27 and 33 Pelicans playing much better since making some trades um, but you know looking very solid in in the top 10 at least and the question is can they get on a bigger role will somebody like Denver or Dallas hit a skid and let them get up to one of those top six spots and avoid the play-in so again this game against Golden State is a big one it's not one you expect to win but if you can bank that one that's a big deal they're 33 and 29 right now the Wolves are then you've got five very winnable games right after that, and we'll see what happens from there. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Major League Baseball. We'll get into this a little bit more with Seth Stowes in a minute, but I wanted to update you on the news. Sounds like they've extended the deadline to 4 p.m., Today, some really, uh, you know, long and looks like fruitful negotiations late Monday. That Monday had been the deadline for avoiding missing regular any kind of regular season games, start to the regular season. Um, sounds like, you know, reading from Jeff Passan's story on ESPN.com, he's done a great job with this. It sounds like there's, you know, still some some money gaps on the competitive balance tax, minimum salary stuff, bonus pools, things like that. But they've gotten a lot closer than they were before and you know set resetting that deadline having so many rounds of negotiations on Monday is at least a much different kind of tone and direction than what we were seeing earlier so maybe some optimism there and I'll talk to, talk a little bit more about that right now with Seth Stowes from Twins Daily 
Really happy to be joined right now on Daily Delivery by Seth Stowes of Twins Daily. Um, co-founder or founder, I believe, is the right uh, the right word for it. And uh, you no, know, does a great job with um, with that site. It's really grown. I believe. Did you just have? Was it just ten years? Not too long ago. Or was that? Uh, was that? Yeah. That's amazing. Good. Good yeah, for no, you. Yeah, no, we just passed ten years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, and yet a couple of us have been almost to twenty years since we started blogging. So it's just a weird. It's just surreal to think that it's been that long. <laughs> I, I have the same thoughts when I start to think about internet years and how long I've been doing certain things, blogging, you know, it's been, yeah, it's been over 15 years for me. It's like in internet years, that's forever. It's like a hundred years in real life. Yeah. I mean, and then I consider that in high school, we thought it was so cool when actually I might've even been in college when I got my first email account, you know I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm old, but it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago. Time flies, man. But the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And unfortunately, that's kind of the topic of what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is this labor situation with Major League Baseball. And it's, you know, the owners and the players, they've had a long time to kind of see this coming and an even longer time to have any kind of meaningful negotiations. And, and now here we are where, you know, if if deadlines are what they say they are, you know, we're in danger of you know, missed games in this, in the regular season because of a work stoppage for the first time, you know, since 1995. And, you know, I just was curious from your perspective, like what's your, as you think about this, what, what, what comes to mind, whether it's disappointment, whether it's, you know, sympathy for one side or the other, how do you frame this as, as you kind of do your work and as you're, as a fan? Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different perspectives to look at this from, I, uh, I often get accused for thinking of too many perspectives. Um, you know, I, part of me wants to say, this is just what negotiations with unions are. Um, both sides take a stand. Uh, sometimes there's a strike, in this case, a lockout. Um, both sides trying to protect what they want and not give in too much. So I get it in that sense. At the same time, coming off of the pandemic year, the last, you know, 2020 minor league season, 60 game major league season. Last year, there were a lot of COVID incident instances. Um, you know, I mean, I think baseball struggled and, and uh, you know, frankly, I, I would feared they would do something last year, a strike or something. And, and when they didn't, I, I thought that was good, but at the same time, it always felt inevitable um, in part because of the uh, struggles they had just getting things going in 2020. And, you know, part of it just because, like you said, it's been 27, 28 years since there's been any sort of uh, work stoppage. And, I mean, that's really impressive if you think about it. So it's almost like they were due, you know. Um, but obviously we hope that things can uh, get back to normal. I mean, they have been meeting every day for a week now, which – Sure would have been nice if they would have been doing that all 88 days in the off season or whatever it's been. So uh, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. It's um, I mean, I'd love right now to be watching spring training games and we're not able to do that. I know minor league camp is, is getting going. Players are reporting and and I'd love to be down there for that. But, you know, that's not going to get the same kind of coverage. So, um yeah, it's, as a fan, it's just, it's just disappointing. I mean, and my bigger concern, I think, uh, Mike, is uh, is I'm a diehard. You know, I'm going to be a Twins fan yeah. regardless. But there's a lot of people that are just kind of, you know, I want to watch a game here and there. I enjoy watching it after dinner, uh, you know, at the cabin on a sun, summer night. Um, they've had a lot of other options. Yeah, that makes sense. And it does feel like, you know, the game itself, 
has, you know, had some challenges in recent years. I think I don't think there's any, you know, any denying that you see a, a decrease in just general sporting public popularity in, in baseball. Some people saying it, you know, pace of play to, to blame for that length of game, just the way the game moves now. And, you know, some of the, some of what has been, <clears throat> you know, maybe produced by, you know, really smart people learning how to, you know, not, not cheat the game, but learning, you know, learning these kind of shortcuts to how you're more, how you build an effective roster has maybe made for at times a less appealing product. So the game that they come back to also has some challenges, I think, but maybe how do you, how do you feel the evolution of the on-field product is, is part of this conversation? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a good question. And that one has been around for a long time. Um, you know, even as a diehard, I struggle to watch four hour games, you know, or as a parent, you know, I mean, um, the game starts at seven o'clock or even six 30, it's not done till 10 30, sometimes 11 o'clock. And if it's an extra inning game, you know, the exciting stuff, that's 11, 12 o'clock. So that, that is a big deal in my opinion. Um, but also I think they're making a good decision on, on hopefully universal DH, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do on a, num- a number of other topics. Um, I think the pitching has, has ro- roles have changed. You know, as starters are going a little less, bullpens are going more. There's just aspects of the game that are that are different. It's the same game, and yet it doesn't look exactly the same. The shifting and just so much uh, technological advancement and analytics, which is a good thing. It's a smart thing. It's a positive thing. It's a good way to build an organization but it doesn't necessarily make the product more entertaining. That's a problem to me because I feel like every other sport, and I wrote about this last week, I feel like every other sport, every sport evolves, right? Every sport changes. The NBA hasn't always had the three-point line. Like imagine like changing the value of a shot. Like that's like a major change. Football has, you know, football, they didn't use to pass the ball very much. Like imagine, imagine that kind of game. Now hockey used to be completely different. So every game has been, transformed over the years a lot of it because athletes become bigger they become better they become faster that that necessitates changes in the way the game is played i feel like baseball is a little bit unique in that the play of the game itself hasn't necessarily improved because of the improvements if you know what i mean yeah and and, you know i mean there's things like uh you know in the 80s if someone was hitting 90 91 miles an hour they were a hard thrower Um, If someone hit 94 and 95, I mean, they were out of this world um, in such a rarity. And now you don't find a relief pitcher that isn't hitting 96, 97. So um, even starters are thrown hard. So there are things that, that I do think the players playing today are significantly better than those of the past, but it doesn't make the game more entertaining necessarily because the game's still the game. And, and uh, you know, watching hit and runs is just as exciting as, you know, you can do that a little more often than, than you can try to hit a home run. And there's so much, you know, three true outcomes, walk, strike out and home run. And that's not exactly, I don't think exciting to play. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's another picture along with just, you know, there's reasons that fans have to find something else. And when you've got owners who are making a ton, a ton of money, um, kind of just going at the minutia not increasing a minimum wage the way uh, to meet inflation uh, or to meet the other professional leagues. Um, you know, that's just in addition. I and mean, that's the stuff that's just going to annoy fans. I'll admit my, you know, my interest in baseball has, it, it was my number one sport forever. It's what I played growing up. So it will always have a, a certain 
place for me, but I think my interest in is, is maybe dipped a little bit, especially right now and just kind of watching this labor situation. But, you know, and, and also I think you referenced it, you know, people have found other things in their lives. And I think the pandemic fueled some of that as well. And the pandemic also, you know, wiped out the minor league season, like you noted in 2020, it made for a very strange 2021 still where there were COVID cases and you didn't quite know what was going on. Teams teams maybe relied on known commodities and were a little bit reluctant to overuse the the players from the minors who didn't compete in 2020 because they didn't want them to have injuries. And now, again, they they will have a minor league season this year, but there are some restrictions. I believe that you you can't be on the 40-man, right, if you are going to compete in the minor leagues this year. So some of, you know, some of their top twins, top prospects might not be able to get in there and get off the jump right away. Right. And that's, that's the biggest disappointment for me. Um, Knowing that there's going to be a minor league season and that there's most of their 150 players are already in Fort Myers working to get ready to start their season is, is exciting. But to know that players like Joe Ryan and Royce Lewis and Jose Miranda, who busted out last year, um, and ended the year at St. Paul. Other guys that should end in St. Paul this year, uh, Joan Duran, um, you know, I could go on, Josh Winder, Cole Sands. These are top-level types of prospects. Jordan Belazovic is probably their top pitching prospect. By being on the 40-man roster, they can't, they can't do anything. And Royce Lewis missed, you know, last year with a torn ACL. He was at the alternate site in St. Paul in 2020, but that's not the same as real games. So those are the guys that I feel terrible about. They haven't made enough to be able to sit through an extended work stoppage. And yet, you know, they are going to essentially lose that development time, whether that's a month or a week or whatever it ends up being. And that's, that's gotta be frustrating. I feel bad for those guys. Absolutely. Well, this doesn't have to be all gloom and doom, Seth, even though I wanted to mostly talk to you about, you know, what we're dealing with right now, the news of just, you know, this ongoing discussions um some of those guys you you referenced are for the twins uh, they have to put a lot of stock in hoping that quite a few of those guys hit and that's the next wave of of young players that can contribute especially on the pitching side as you think about 2022 whenever it does get underway and i don't think i don't think we're going to be talking about a you know a season wiped out or anything like that i, I think that'd be just a, a complete disaster but once things do get going, what what are you most interested in, optimistic about when you think about the Twins, whether it's existing players on the roster or players that might challenge for those roster spots and then really compete this year? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the one thing, I know they finished last in the AL Central last year, but they had won the division the two prior seasons. And a lot of that talent, obviously having Byron Buxton back, um, you know, but also some of those guys that I also think are hurt, Alex Kirilov. Trevor Larnick, Ryan Jeffers, uh, to see what Mitch Garver can do because he came on and and was unbelievable again late last season. So I think offensively they're they're pretty exciting. I think there's a lot of talent and some depth there. That, um, we just did our top prospects. Top three Twins prospects are hitters, um, but more exciting I think are just as exciting or really something unusual for Twins fans. On my personal rankings and on the Twins daily rankings, you've got about anywhere from seven to to 10 pitchers. So the top three prospects are hitters, but the next 10 or so are pitchers. And, you know, they're guys that aren't just, you know, throwing 92 or 91 or, 
you know, good control pitchers like we've heard about. And these are guys throwing 95 to 97 and having a good slider to go with it or a good changeup. Obviously, they still need to develop, but we've heard since Derek Felvey took over about his ability to, um, you know, add coordinators, add technology, add analytics, um, try to avoid injury, things like that for pitching. And that's what happened in Cleveland. I mean, we're hopefully about to see that come to fruition with guys like Belazovic, Winder, uh, Simeon Woods, Richardson, who they got from the Barrios deal, um, you know, Joan Duran. I mean, there's just a lot of really good prospects. Uh, Joe Ryan being the one that we've seen, uh, but there's a lot more. We had, I think, Drew Strotman outside of our top 20, and he's a guy who pitched well for the Rays AAA team uh, and came over with Ryan in the Nelson Cruz deal. I mean, he uh, he's throwing a 98-99. So, I mean, there's just a lot of reasons because pitching is what wins, right? I mean, that's the thing the Twins have missed. And, uh, I mean, whether or not we see it right at the beginning of the year, which now we probably won't because of the lost spring training. Uh, but at some point, some of those guys are getting an opportunity, and it'll be fun to see which ones develop. You know, kind of in conjunction with this last question, we, I mean, the other way the Twins kind of get pinched here is they didn't do a ton – in free agency before this all happened. I mean, they, they made a couple, you know, late additions. They, they grabbed a, you know, a, what, what could be a fifth starter and Dylan Bundy, somebody like that. But uh, there's still some significant holes that whenever this is resolved, there's going to be a very short free agency period that they're going to have to do a fair amount of work in, in, in a, in a pretty quick amount of time with that in mind, like what, what to you would make this a successful season? I mean, we've had the extremes the last three years, right? Of division title, last place. It kind of feels like this team probably belongs somewhere in the middle of that. But what, what, how would you define this year as a success once it does start? Well, the, I mean, the thing is, is Chicago's good. I think they're legit good, the White Sox. Um, Detroit took a huge step forward in 2021. And uh, they have a lot of pitching that they've drafted over the last couple of years, too. Um, you know, maybe not Kansas City, but Cleveland's always seems to have a, at least a competitive team. But I still think that this team has the Twins have the talent to go back and be a contender for a division title. Now, that said, in order to do that, they're going to have to get more pitching. Right now, the rotation looks like uh, Dylan Bundy, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, who is a success story for this regime, uh, but then maybe Randy Dobnik and Lewis Thorpe. So, I mean, clearly they need more pitching unless they're just going to hand the reins over to those minor leaguers. And I, I can't see them doing that. So that may mean in that, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours from when they come up with a deal to the, to the start of spring training, to the start of the season. I mean, the twins are going to be active. I would think in, in trade talks, um, you know, you still don't want them to give up the farm because they're not, you know, one piece away, they're probably two or three pieces away. Um, but at the same time, I do think they'll be active. And, and that was, an, it was an exciting time before the lockout. A lot happened. A lot of players wanted to get signed before that. And now I, I mean, I really think this has been incredibly disappointing. It's been long. Uh, I mean, we're going on 12, 13 weeks of this stuff uh, where nothing can happen other than minor league signings. As soon as this comes to fruition, there's going to be a flurry of activity that, hopefully that will help fans get back into it as their team and other teams make some moves. Uh, you know, we got to hope, but, but I mean, pitching, it, it all comes down to pitching. Uh, the lineup looks okay and has some depth and 
you know, again, you want those guys in their second and third years to develop, you know, take that next step. Uh, Kirilov, Larnik to be healthy, Jeffers to be healthy. Everyone, I mean, obviously health is always part of it, but it all comes down to pitching. So I, I, I don't know if it's short-term planning or long-term planning, but that's where the need is. Seth, good stuff. Appreciate you joining Daily Delivery. Read StarTribune.com and also please read Twins Daily because you guys do a lot of really good work over there as well. Appreciate it, Michael. Have me on anytime. Happy to talk. And then, yeah, hopefully we can talk about some baseball, actually exactly. baseball soon. Exactly. I would like that very much too. Thanks, Seth. Take care. All right. You bet. Have a good one. Good catching up with Seth. And one of the interesting things I think we talked about was just the impact of all this on the Twins. Even if this thing gets settled today, which, you know, momentum seems like it's carrying um, nicely over from Monday. Even if it gets settled right now, the Twins are behind in kind of where they want to be. And just because, you know, a lot of their top, you know, their top prospects haven't been able to get a start yet um, in, in spring training or any kind of, you know, team training. Uh, they've, they've done very little in free agency. And this is a big year. If, if they have any designs on being a playoff team in 2022, and again, if there's expanded playoffs, they have a slightly better chance of making it regardless. But if they have designs on being a playoff team in 2022, a lot of things are going to have to go right for them. And a lot of things are going to have to be settled fairly quickly. So we will see if they are able to, you know, whenever this gets settled, like Seth and I talked about, we'll see if they're able to you know, get some of these key young players into the mix, get them, you know, get some free agents in here who can round out their, a very inexperienced looking rotation right now. And, you know, whether this is a, a mini rebuilding year, whether this is a true year that they could actually, you know, compete at least for one of those wildcard spots, a lot will be determined in whatever frenzy leads up to, you know, right after this, right after whenever this work stoppage is settled. Let's talk wild for a moment here. They're struggling right now. Lost five of their last six games. They get a rematch with Calgary um, tonight, and we'll see if they can kind of get their identity back. That was the big focus of Sarah McClellan's story in the Star Tribune today, StarTribune.com. You know, not tough enough was kind of the uh, kind of the message from players and from Dean Evison. They lost all three games on their trip in Canada. You know, Ryan Hartman saying it's not an X's and O things. It's, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, they're not playing the way they used to play. And, you know, it really showed in that loss to, to Calgary, 7-3 loss. Um, it was really, really discouraging. This team's gone through a couple lulls this season. Maybe, you know, that's just going to happen in the course of any any year. But it, it does expose some of their weaknesses when, when things like this happen. You know, the goaltending hasn't been great lately when neither one of you know, Cam Talbot nor Capo Kakinen is really rolling. They have problems. I mean, any team's going to have some struggles when they're not getting great goaltending, but it seems like it particularly impacts the Wild, uh, which has some defensive cracks. And when they're not, you know, when they're not getting all those shots to go in, um, this team has some problems. So I'll be interested to watch this game and see if they can kind of right the ship, get back on track. Again, they've, they've bounced back from these lulls very nicely this year. I don't think it's cause for you know, any kind of panic, but at a certain point, you got to start winning again, and we'll see if they can start that tonight. Let's finish with a cooler full of rumors, innuendos, what have yous. First, the Packers tweeted out an announcement that they'll be playing in London in 2022. They tweeted that out at 8.30 a.m. on Monday um, Central Time. They had Matt LaFleur and four players crossing the street, Abbey Road style, if you're not familiar with the 
famous Beatles cover. They're all wearing shoes, which is a little bit strange, and there's five of them, not four. Strangest thing, or the most curious thing, though, is Aaron Rodgers, not one of those players shown in the graphic. And again, could just be the uncertainty of this all. Could be that they know more than we know. I don't know. But that is a another cryptic social media message that uh, that I thought I would note for you guys. No Aaron Rodgers and no Devontae Adams, who is a free agent, but Aaron Rodgers is not a free agent. He is under contract for 2022 with the Green Bay Packers. You might think that if they had a good inclination that he was going to be playing in that game as the reigning league MVP, that he might be in that graphic. I don't know. We will see about that. And one other thing of note, Bill Simmons uh, made a, an interesting had an interesting thought on the on his, on his podcast the other day, um, saying that he's heard. And again, this is you know the reporting on this is a little bit casual. I think this is he was talking on a podcast, but he has heard that there will be expansion in the NBA to Seattle and Las Vegas, and that would be a huge deal for the Timberwolves because the fear when Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie came over and and you know bought bought this team and are in the process of buying buying this team uh, is that they might one day want to move the tw- move the Timberwolves in the two most desired markets in the NBA right now that are open are Seattle and Las Vegas. If those were filled by expansion teams, there would be probably a lesser chance of a relocation and more chance that this team stays in Minnesota. So we will follow that reporting as it gets a little bit closer and Truth be told, this could be the beginning of my long-held dream, and again, it's not as urgent as it used to be because the East is pretty good now, could be part of my long-held dream that the Wolves finally get moved to the Eastern Conference where they probably belong, would be a lot more favorable start times, things like that, wouldn't always be playing these 9 o'clock games, Central Central time when they're playing the teams in you know on the coast and things like that, so... We'll see about all that very early in the stages of all that, but I thought it was interesting at the very least. And again, both those things we need to follow up on as time goes on. That will do it for today. Should have some good stuff coming up on Wednesday as well. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Be back at it tomorrow.